It's time for Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now let's have some fun. Here is your host, Johnny, Johnny Radio. Johnny Radio. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. Dacus is with me. It is a Monday. Hopefully the snow is moving out. Sadly, uh, rain will be moving in. The weather has been terrible. Can't drink the water. Can't drink the yellow snow, according to Frank Zappa. But heck, I mean, I think yellow snow right now would be a little bit safer than our water is. Um, and we've got a lot of sports to talk about because our Tigers are absolutely terrible. The last two games have been pathetic, absolutely pathetic. I know uh, people out there are agitated, angry, ticked off. We've gone from a top 10 team to a bubble team. This is just embarrassing. But why do we expect different things? Like, realistically, why do we constantly start believing in this team that they're going to get there and they're going to do it and they're going to come back and take care of business one field over the final five minutes i just wanted to throw up in the lineups why what did i say last friday mr dacus about mr hardaway and his rotations keep your kids out of the damn lineup especially in crunch time ashton comes in ice cold and shoots up a stupid three when he can't even hit a three to save his life Jaden, what was that underneath the basket pathetic I'm just telling you right now, I don't think you uh, understand. I do not like what I'm seeing from them. I am not excited. I feel bad for Dave, Dave who goes on before me. He has to uh, deal with these. I need to probably be a little bit nicer, but come on now. Two losses in the last week. You look at all the one-possession games. Maybe they should have a lot more losses. Oh, man, hey, but they win the tight ones. They win the close ones. You had to have two winners by Jay, Javon Quinterly. I don't know, man. All that all that hope and all that just excitement that was around Tiger Hoops, I feel like it's dissipated. If anybody can walk me off the ledge, let me know. 901-360-8255. 901-360-8255. Looks like we're going to be fighting for an 8-9 seed, maybe even lower. I mean, what a difference a week makes. It was, um, it was a terrible performance. It was just a terrible game, to be honest with you, and... I just don't know what they were doing. I don't understand the rotations. And and again, why is Jalen Young in the game? Like, when does Jalen Young do something that makes any sense? Dacus, why don't you tell me? You love the Tigers. You cover the Tigers. Why was he in in the final five minutes in, in crunch time? They, they didn't have bodies yesterday. What, you did, Oh, you can't find a body to play better than him? I, I totally disagree. Who? He was who? just Jalen Young. Man, I'm telling you, if, if that's if – that's, if that's, All right, sure. Who? I mean, you said you can name somebody better no, than I said, who just, they had. I mean, who? Who on the roster yesterday could have played out of who, out of, outside of who was playing in the late in the game? Okay. Right, sure. Yes, I'll talk to somebody. Terry Davis, he's the Care Bear stare. He'll be able to probably talk me into feeling like this Tiger basketball team's actually better than they really are. But, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a rough week for the Tigers. It's been a rough week for all Memphians. Tigers couldn't even make all of their fans who were stuck in the cold at home with no good water to drink feel better on a Sunday before we started watching a lot of football. And everything just kind of went south after that Tiger game. It just felt like it anyway. But we do have um, good news. 
the rankings come out today. We don't have to worry about paying attention to them around 12 o'clock because guess what? The Tigers won't be in it. <laughs> uh, do you think there's any chance that they're the top 25? I mean, there's a there's a there's a chance, sure. Um, I don't know how confident I am in it, but there's a chance. I guess we'll see what happens at twelve o'clock. Tiger fans, let me know what you think. Nine zero one three six zero eight two five. I mean, Malcolm Danders, by the way, played great. He was awesome. Huh? Like Malcolm was freaking awesome. I mean, he had what eight nine blocks. Uh, my man was doing his business. You got and then it's just Naquan. He did not have the greatest game, you could say. He had a decent one. He said, I think after the game, that he was having, like, eye trouble. I don't know if he got poked in the eye or something, but he was saying he, like, couldn't see. It was weird. Yeah, everything was weird. Of course, we know Walton, uh, the whole situation with that. It was um, it was a painful game for the Tigers to lose to Tulane. Tigers now 4-2 uh, and two in conference. Things were looking mighty fine, and now things are looking rough. The once top 10 mighty Tigers that everybody – I mean, what happened – like that team that played in the second half, especially against the Shockers. The team that, you know, this year dominated Arkansas. Arkansas is no good anyway, so it doesn't matter. Beat up on Clemson in Virginia. Like what happened to this team? We see a – remember when they played a little SMU? Should have lost that game. Uh, Texas-San Antonio had to go to overtime to win that damn game. Um, barely beat last trip to Tulsa on the road – I mean, there's just – oh, Vanderbilt had a, had our number, and we pulled it out of our butt. Like, this Tiger team is like – I you know, I got so excited the way they whipped up on A&M, Clemson, and Virginia in that three-game stretch where they had top 25 wins. And right now I'm just looking at this team, and I just don't believe. And I don't believe they're going to be able to help their schedule out going forward because they don't play anybody. And you know they're going to lose and stump their toe along the way. And some people are saying, well, John, it's, I, I was hearing this weekend, you know, John, it's just got to be these guys. You know, you bring in a bunch of transfers, the amount of transfers that you bring in on this team. And, you know, it's just hard to get them to jail. Well, at the beginning of the year, that was the whole thing. We went for older teams. Um, this is supposed to be a more mature team that they're going to go out there and this is their last hurrah. And they're all going to play together and do everything. Well, you got UAB Rice and Wichita State the next three and whew, it, it just it, it's going to be rough, but you can tell we'll talk Tigers at eleven thirty because we have Terry Davis. But we're going to switch gears. We got to talk a lot of NFL football because we had the divisional round, and now the AFC and NFC championship games are all set. We have a little bit of a conspiracy theories to talk about too because I saw that going around everywhere. I had like twenty people text me, "Hey John, how can this be?" Talking about the colors of the Super Bowl. Going back, especially the last three years and then over the last 15 years. But we do got to switch up gears. It's time to talk with Jake Crane from Crane & Company, the best sports show in the mornings. You can listen to it. You can watch it. You can put it on your TV. And if you ain't up early in the morning, don't worry. You can watch it anytime you want, anytime your little heart's content. What's up, Jake? How's life? Man, what is up, Johnny Radio? Uh, nothing. Just uh, obviously a lot going on right now, and and the way it looks, man, I wouldn't be shocked if we hear something about Harbaugh in the next uh, six to eight hours. Ooh, ooh you want to um, elaborate a little bit on what uh, what are you thinking about having having with Jim? Uh, well, you know, he's, he's meeting with the Chargers again, and typically when you have that second meeting, it's like that second date. You know, obviously it went pretty good the Might first get time. A little and, kissy, kissy. Yeah, you know, hey, oh, wow, you're holding my hand now. This is new, but it's, I feel dangerous, but also safe. 
Oh, man. Um, man, college football never stops. Today, you were talking about name, image, and likeness. Uh, we were talking, you talked a whole lot of, uh, you know, football and you know, Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera. But I got to start in the NFL real quick, man. Um, you talked about it. You started off your show with it this morning. And the Buffalo Bills, you know, they won three games uh, in the regular season against the Kansas City Chiefs, but they lost now four games in the postseason against the Chiefs. Patrick just owns them. Every time the Bills feel like they're right there, something always goes awry. Of course, you had the missed field goal uh, to tie things up, but you still probably left the Chiefs too much time. You had the ball that was fumbled that went out of the end zone. I feel like every opportunity was given to the Bills, but in that in in every opportunity and every in every chance that you feel like Josh Allen and that offense is going to go take over here late in the third, uh, totally in the fourth, they just always seem to shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's amazing. What, what I said on the show today is at some point, and we all grew up with this person, some of us are this, this person, you're just awful at taking the big test. That, that's what it is with the Bills. You pass everything else. The pop quiz, it's cake. The essay, you nailed it. But when it gets down to the, to the final, you know, that 60% of your grade, you find a way to screw it up. I, I mean, we, we've seen them have opportunities in multiple games against the Chiefs, and it's a full team loss. I mean, every time the Bills would get ahead, the Chiefs would answer. Every time that 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 the Chiefs would, uh, you know, need a stop defensively, they found a way to get it. And then special teams, you push the field goal wide right, which it came down to a lot more plays than just that. But it seems like when it comes to the Bills, they just don't know how to beat Pennywise and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and and look, it's. At some point, you know, we saw Georgia get over the Alabama hump. We saw uh, Michigan get over the, the Ohio State hump. Hell, I've seen the Red Sox and the Cubs win a World Series. So I guess you never say never. But, man, the window's closing for this team, and it just seems like every time they get this big opportunity in the playoffs, not in the regular season, they just fall apart. You fail the test. And, you know, Joe Brady was getting tons of credit uh, when he took over for Ken Dorsey. This Buffalo's Bills offense looked totally different. In fact, they led the league in rushing when Jay Bro- uh, um, Joe Brady took over the play-calling duties. But also in that second half, um, everything that seemed to be working for the Buffalo Bills in crunch time, it seemed like they abandoned it. Is that Owen Joe Brady or is that Josh Allen changing the plays or maybe – uh, getting happy feet in there. Like, I mean, they were running the ball down the throat. They were using Allen to run the ball. He was making sidearm, I mean, backwards passes, pa- passing the line and scrimmage. He was playing out of his mind for two and a half quarters. And then when it became crutch time, Josh Allen went shrinkage like he just jumped in the cold shower. And so did the play calling, I felt like, from Joe Brady. Yeah, and, and I do I do want to say, they did take their shots. I mean, Stephon Diggs, catch the catch ball, the ball. Yeah. Like, all you do is yell at quarterbacks on the sideline, and yet you're the one, when it comes down to it, that doesn't make the plays, right? So I, it, I think even though the Chiefs were going too high a lot, they were trying to keep everything underneath, and it worked. The Bills didn't have a play over 18 yards last night, which is just incredible to think about when you think about who's on that roster. But when the Bills did take their shots, that they weren't able to connect. I mean, a lot of the intermediate stuff, to Dalton Kincaid was working. They went away from that. I don't know why. They went away from the run game because a couple early downs, they got shoved, but it just happened. Uh, and and I want to make sure we give credit to Steve Spagnola and that Kansas City Chiefs defense because I thought they made better adjustments. I thought offensively the Chiefs made better adjustments too, but they were going to make the Bills 
go 10, 11, 12 plays to beat them consistently and score touchdowns in the red zone. And they weren't, and the Bills weren't able to do it. But then the, the hardest part this morning, if you're a Bills fan waking up, is that you did say what you want about the officiating, but you caught the break you had to catch to have a chance to win. They fumbled the ball out of the back of the end zone going in to go up two scores. You fumble the ball on third down, miraculously recover it, and then get the fourth and five. Yet you still find a way to lose the game. So you got to give half the credit to the Chiefs as an organization, players, coaches, everybody there. But you do have to put some onus on the Bills not making plays at home and the best opportunity when they had to take out Pennywise, and they couldn't do it. And they couldn't do it. Andy Reid, I mean, this Kansas City, what is this, their sixth AFC championship game in a row? It's, it's, it's nuts. It's, uh, I know they've won the AFC East. The, the Bills have four straight times. But it, it seems like this is the matchup, right? This is what they were building to get past. Now, there was a ton of injuries on defense. I get that. But like I always say on the show, if I want to hear if I want to hear excuses, I'll interview people on death row. <laughs> I love that. Well, Patrick Mahomes, he's done it again. Um, now he has to go on the road. People were wondering, can he win on the road? He did it in Buffalo. Can they go into Baltimore? What do you think about this matchup? I mean, you got Pat Mahomes, the best in the business. You got Lamar Jackson, the MVP. Todd Munkin has completely changed. They won the way they run their offense in Baltimore. The defense is is really really scary who do you like in this one i know it's it's a dead gum monday but man i'm already starting to prepare you gotta like the ravens right now correct i I mean the only thing you yeah the only thing that that you would think is that maybe this team because they do have a bunch of new pieces hasn't been in this moment a lot but you look at how complete they are and i don't think they're going to be overwhelmed because they are a complete team they don't really have to rely on just one side of the ball to get them there that's why i think the niners win was still impressive because it's about winning and moving on. And the teams that can win in multiple ways, maybe when the offense isn't operating at the highest efficiency level, those are the teams that are able to, to win Super Bowls and win championships. But when I look at this Ravens team, it's amazing what happens when you give Lamar Jackson weapons. All I've said for the past three years is that Lamar's out there trying to try. It's a, it's a one-trick pony with him and Mark Andrews. That's pretty much it. But it's amazing when you add Zay Flowers. And you and, and that takes a little pressure off Bateman, right? And then OBJ is kind of able to be that veteran presence. It really allows Lamar to be able to relax and, and let the game come to him some without having to force the action so much. But then you look at that defense. I'll tell you what. They're not as beat up as the Bills, but this defense has been on another level the whole year. you got Patrick Queen and, and Roquan Smith, Smith out there running around in the middle. Buddy, I can promise you, there's not going to be a lot of operating space for the run game, so it's going to have to be a Patrick Mahomes witch fest, which it could be. But when you look at the Ravens, they can score with anybody. They can win rock fights. They can win shootouts. And they got the best kicker in the history of the NFL. And Justin Tucker, yes, he is the yeah, best. Yeah, Justin Tucker ain't missing that kick, buddy. I can go ahead and promise you that. You, you're 100% right. And the other thing is a lot of people, man, Kyle Hamilton is the best damn safety. Um, he'll, man. God, he will light you up. They just have it at every single level, the Baltimore Ravens defense. I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup. And, again, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, doing what he does. And the way they just handled the Texans, uh, especially in that second half, that's what was so damn impressive. The Texans could not do anything. And we just watched what C.J. Stroud and the boys did to you know Cleveland the week before. So Baltimore's defense, it is clicking on all cylinders. Lamar Jackson does have playmakers. 
But how are they also doing it with the running game? I mean, they have Justice Hill and Gus Edwards as the two dudes uh, actually running. Hell, Dalvin Cook, I think, had eight carries in that ball game. And again, think about what they started with and how many running backs they've lost this season. Yeah, well, again, that that goes back to versatility, right? The more ways I can affect you, the less pressure it puts on one position or, or one phase of the offense. I think I think the the best friend for the Ravens run game outside of Lamar Jackson's ability to run, and we have seen some RPO elements, and, and he is a problem even when he's in the pocket dropping back if he gets loose, is that the passing game is legitimate. It affects you on all three levels, on all three layers. So you, you can't just rob Peter to pay Paul. You can't hedge the Ravens run one way. And I do think the offensive line has overperformed in the run game. Not that they're a bad offensive line, but I don't think anybody would sit here and, and say before the season that the Ravens have a dominant offensive line. So you add all those elements together, and it helps you achieve balance. Now, um, that, that that's 100% true, and, and the Baltimore has that balance. When you look at the San Francisco 49ers, you think, you know, with Kyle Shanahan calling plays, uh, their defense has got, you know, ballers at every single damn level. I mean, Fred Werner is a, an absolute freak in the middle. Drake Greenlaw coming off the edge. You got Bosa and Young. Uh, defensive backs doing everything. You love how solid this 49ers team is. Uh, they can do it in so many different ways. They can run it. They can throw it. They can do it all. But do you trust Brock Purdy? Um, I feel almost like dead gum. Green Bay blew that sucker in the fourth quarter. They had every opportunity. And Jordan Love, who looked so calm uh, throughout this season, who looked so calm through the playoffs, in the fourth quarter, he was pressing. And pressure burst pipes. And I feel like Love's basically, uh, he burst where Brock Purdy held on and his teammates picked him up. I don't know, man. Brock Purdy, you know, he's great when the weather's good, but give him a little bit of bad weather and them tiny hands, and it just ain't working. Yeah, and but the thing is, I don't think Brock Purdy has to, you know, be the greatest player of all time at quarterback then to be able to win. He's really got to steer the ship. It's, it's, it's like driving. Yeah, I may go five miles per hour over the speed limit sometimes, but I'm not trying to take that thing 90 and a 45, and I, I'm not playing that game. But when you have what, what he has around him, a lot of it is not losing the game. And, and I know that sounds like, almost defeatist, or that's not what the elite guys think. Well, I watched Tom Brady check down his way to a lot of Super Bowls. Not saying that Brock Purdy is Tom Brady, but I think I think the San Francisco 49ers have a good enough team around him where if he takes that methodology, it'll work. Look, there's, there's something to be said for in that fourth quarter when Brock Purdy had to make the throws, he made the throws. When Jordan Love had to make the throws, he didn't make the throws. And, and you're not going to find out until you get put in that moment. So I, I think when you look at Brock Purdy, the man just wins. Like, that's what it is, he wins. And and this time of year, in this game, with that roster, that's what you're going to have to do. Now, when you look at the Lions, obviously he can't play bad and, and then beat the Lions. But I still think the 49ers, uh, from an aggregate standpoint, have a lot better team than the Lions do. And I don't think the Lions' defense will be able to slow them down if they have the first the, they have teams in the, in the first two games. They're not they're in the Buccaneers, okay? And I know the Rams have some pieces, but, but this isn't the Rams. So we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm a big Brock Purdy fan. I think it's a great story. I wouldn't be shocked if he came out and had a big game next week. Debo Samuel, um, I know they say it's like 50-50. How important is he that he suits up and plays in this NFC Championship game? Well, you know, obviously it's huge uh, when you look at at what he brings. But this team has played a lot of games without Debo Samuel, too. So this is is when the depth kicks in. But what he's able to do, not only from a pass-catching standpoint, 
not only from a running the ball standpoint, I'm talking about even lining up at running back, but from a blocking standpoint. He's one of the best perimeter blockers in the league. And when you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey, that can be the difference in 40 yards and 75 yards in a touchdown. So that veteran leadership, his strength in the red zone, the ability to open up the playbook with his versatility, it's obviously huge. But the, the, the Chiefs aren't exactly Oliver, or the, the Niners aren't exactly Oliver Twist when it comes to weapons. All right, early lines, of course, are out. Baltimore is only a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs currently. The 49ers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Lions. As we look at these lines extremely early, or is there one way you're leaning another on in one game in particular? Yeah, I, yeah, I got I to like both the home teams here, right? Um, just w- with the Ravens as, as you know, overachieving as, as this Chiefs team has been, and I think they've even overachieved more than the team did last year that, that won the Super Bowl with that roster. I just think it, it feels like their year. And then on the other hand, I know a lot of people say, well, I don't know how you can say it feels like the Ravens year and not the Lions year. I just think San Francisco is that good, man. Uh, I think you're going to end up having a, a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl, and it should be a heck of a matchup. All right, if we do have a Ravens 49 Super Bowl, uh, 49ers Super Bowl, have you seen the conspiracy theorist out there about the uh, – The colors? Yes. I mean, look, man. I wish I, I would have bet on it earlier in the year when I saw this in like week two or three or whenever the hell they first put yeah, this out. Yeah, it's just – I mean, what would this be, four years in a row? Yup. <laughs> it's crazy. Come on, man. Like, I mean, at some point, at some point, y'all, y'all just can't keep accidentally getting this right. Yeah, um, and again, I don't even know how you could accidentally get the color scheme right for the last four Super Bowls in a row. It, it really is absolutely wild. If you have no idea what we're talking about, um, go look at the last four Super Bowls. And hell, if you went back and look at the last like 15 of them, it still has like better than 50%. Um, if, if you look at the colors like they're red and black this year or purple or something, it's uh, Ravens, of course, 49ers. I guess I'm going to have to do a two-game parlay with this week, money line Ravens, Look, 49ers might as well. to make it. Might, might, I'll just take out the kaleidoscope, and we'll all get breaded. Man, now, um, by the way, speaking of getting breaded, y'all have been tearing it up in your picks the last few weeks. Um, even during the snow week last week, y'all were just in there knocking games left and right. You got a little love for us today so we can make a little bit of money if you lost any yesterday? Ooh, well, you know – Yesterday, I was about even. Day before that, I mean, it, we've been hot. I mean, my brother's just been incredibly hot. I'm, I'm in love with the Wake Forest, North Carolina over 155 and a half tonight. I think we're going to have a ton of points scored in that game. I'm excited to watch it. It should be a really good basketball game. Outside of that, kind of looking at the rest of the slate, Kansas, you know, coming off a, a bad loss on the road at West Virginia. You get a Cincinnati team who's good. You know, they're, they're as, as they call it on Beer Fest, they're kind of like She-Wolf. It's a good strawberry beer. But you're going into Fog Allen to play a pissed-off Kansas team. Give me the Jayhawks minus eight at home. Damn, Beer ref- uh, beer Fest reference. I haven't heard that in a while, man. I have to say, I love that. Uh, we're going to take Kansas, and I like the over. You're right. What is it, 155 and a half, you said? 155 and a half. It's, it's, it's smelling like an 83-81 game. All right, man. Hey, Jay, do me a favor. Tell everybody what you got coming down the pipe, where they can find you, and how they can consume the best show on, in sports. Man, well, first off, Johnny Radio, I appreciate it. Real recognize, real. Uh, yeah, listen, if you listen to your sports podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N and Company. We're on YouTube as well. The Daily Wire as well. We go live each weekday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. We have live calls, a live chat that's always booming. We talk everything. Uh, college football, NFL, we had Jim Caval on today, one of the biggest guys in the NIL space who thinks we are headed toward employment for college athletes. You really need to go check that out. 
Uh, but yeah, man, come hang out with us. Yeah, and don't forget, uh, I do want y'all to keep working on that Lady Ballers too. Is that a T in your pocket? Oh, 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 God! Did, did you see the, the best one? The best one somebody put on there was Lady Ballers two, swing and a miss. <laughs> Jake, you are the best. Be blessed, and we'll do it again next week, my brother. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> that is Jake Crane. Follow him on Twitter at uh, the J Boy. Um, and again, uh, check out his show. It's Crane and Company. We're going to take a quick time out. My frustration runneth over. I am so frustrated with the Memphis Tigers. Can uh, the Care Bear Stare help me get off the uh, ledge? We're going to talk with Terry Davis next, right here on Sports 56 98 5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98 5 FM. All the wisdom of the universe is in these bones. <laughs> now back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Johnny Radio. Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. It is a Monday in the Mid-South. Temperatures are finally not freezing. But if you're a Tiger fan, your heart is ice cold. Painful, painful stuff. Who has more pain in their heart, Tiger fans or Buffalo Bills fans? Tyler Bass, another kick that went wide right. Ouch, that feels bad. But also, just watching the Tigers, just fall all over themselves on Sunday was a terrible way right before uh, all the games started kicking off. Um, tough, tough loss for the Tigers. They fell 81-79 to to Tulane. Yes, they did. David Jones had 32 points, 11 boards. Malcolm had eight blocks. Just nobody else really did their job, especially down the stretch. I need a little bit of Care Bear stare in my life, so thank goodness we have Terry Davis on this Monday to walk me off the ledge. What up, T.D.? What's going on, my brother? Man, I'm hanging in there, buddy. A little frustrated. A um, lot frustrated. One field goal over the five on five minutes. Um, I feel like everybody out there. I mean, I don't even know what they were doing in the final few minutes of that ball game. I can't believe they lost the damn game. I am as frustrated as can be. South Florida and Tulane just clipped you as you came into the week as a top 10 team in the country. And now you're right there firmly on that bubble. Yep. You own that bubble, and you you go from first place to seventh place in the conference, which is not a good thing, dude. How what a what a fall from first place to seventh. Now you have North Texas, who uh, South Florida is ahead of you, Charlotte, Charlotte, Florida F-A-U. Atlantic. Yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, painful. It's, you know, it's crazy because you had you. As, as an athlete, you can only ask for one thing, to be in control of your own destiny and not have to worry about nobody else. You know, when, I, when the season started, I said there's only two things that can derail this team. One would be an injury, and the other would be ego. And I think maybe both of them might be creeping up upon us. Well, um, speaking of, like, you know, like what, what was it yesterday – like what was the like? What was it? Ego? Was it more the fact that they, you know, basically had a very small rotation and you had to play? Um, you know, the fact that 
Young was in there when in crunch time. That's terrible. You don't want that. Ashton, for some reason, there comes in off the bench and pops a three. That's that's just awful. Um, Jalen doing running up underneath the basket, getting stuck underneath and thrown up an air ball. Like, what was it that just, I mean, can you put your finger on why it is it they played so terrible down the final five minutes of that basketball game? I think they played with desperation instead of playing with confidence. And when you when you you desperate and you make when you when you playing desperate, you make bad decisions. And I think they made a bunch of bad decisions down the stretch. Not and among others is not making their free throws, not defending properly, and not doing the little things it takes to win games. You know, because one thing about it, they in the first half they didn't understand the personnel that they were playing against, meaning the referees and Tulane. Because that crew that called that game know they called it real tight in the first half. So you can't do stupid stuff. So Memphis only got four free throws in the first half, and they weren't being aggressive. And they were, they were being overly aggressive on defense and giving Tulane too many, too many opportunities. Now, they flipped that in the second half. They got more free throw opportunities, but they didn't take advantage of making those free throws, and they missed a couple front end of one and one. And if they hadn't made those free throws, same thing, this game, last game, we'd be talking about a 12-game winning streak, but they didn't but they had to go back to the drawing board and start over. JQ had a, had a rough game, um, six Again. turnovers. I mean, it's it's like what happened to the one of the best point guards in the country? Uh, there's something awry with him. What's going on with JQ? I don't know if those two game-winning shots may have you know led to something that shouldn't have led to, or it's just uh, he's just making bad decisions, trying to do too much instead of uh, play within the rims of the offense. But he's definitely – going to be the glue to this team because it used to be Nick Jordan, but for some reason they've uh, boxed him out of the offensive possessions and whatnot. He don't even get touches anymore down low. Uh, so he has got to flip the switch and change up the things because they don't have eight, uh, eight assists in the last game. They had 12, uh, they had more assists this game, 12, 12, 12 this game, but they still have to share the ball a little bit better. Yeah, they do have to share the ball a little bit better. It was it was definitely a rough game. Um, Jordan, I thought could have. Had, I mean, I, I don't even know what was going on with him. But the other thing is just that last shot. Um, you know, David Jones got a nice look at the top, but is that really what you want him coming off the screen at the very top? You know, um, shooting that straightaway three pointer. Yes, he hits three pointers. It always seems like it's off the edge. Um, I, I just, I mean, again, I know you wanted to get the win, um, but I felt like they should have taken that jump to the rack. Yeah, they should have taken it. It should. To the, to the rack and go for overtime because when you're the better team, you know, even though – More Malcolm time, was, yeah. More time right. usually cream rises to the top. Right, and because their best player, you know, was in, in foul trouble too. He had four fouls. So if you could have, you know, got him out the game, then you pretty much could have controlled it in an overtime. I think they had a really good chance to just drive, drive to the hoop and, and go to overtime and win it in overtime. But I think uh, David wanted to go for the win instead of going for – because he could easily – Went uh, drove in for a mid range jumper, but he didn't. Yeah, um, very, very, very disappointing, man. Now, now coming out of that ball game, how bad's the health of this team right now? Uh, it's pretty bad, man. Because you know Malcolm played a lot of minutes, and he played the most minutes of his career. Good thing they don't play again until next week. Uh, 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 Tomlin got poked in the eye. I think he should be okay. Uh, uh, when it comes to Walton, uh, he had some type of rib issue. We don't mm-hmm. know exactly what it was because he had a heating vest on. I don't know if he just got – he ran into a bad screen and got some bruised ribs, but hopefully he can come back. If Walton had played in the second half, I don't think we're sitting here dissecting what, what went wrong with the Tigers. I think, you know, because he was back 
he was back to where he would need to be. He was playing his game again. He was hitting threes like he was going out of style early, man. I'm, I'm telling you, man, if you were a Tiger fan, there was a point where you had to feel very comfortable. Right, exactly. Because you know Tulane was going to come out and do what they needed to do. I think the critical factor in the game is when Malcolm went out with his four foul when they were up uh, 67 to 61 by six. And from there, they just, they were able to go inside and dominate because Malcolm, I don't know what got into him, but he had the game of his life inside, and, and they were not going inside on Malcolm. No, they were not. Um, did you understand that, that I guess, and, and, and this is one of the things that will just completely make you crazy. Did you know anything that they were running in the final five minutes of that basketball game? Because it looked like they didn't have a damn play that was drawn up or designed. It looked like it was five different dudes on five different pages of a book, and nobody knew what they were reading. Now, that's what Ron Hunter does. He, he put that junk defense in there to try to make you do that because he knows what Penny wants to do in that situation. So what he did is he just tried to take everything away that what Penny has done. Because Ron Hunter, you know, he had three consecutive wins against Penny. I don't mm. think anybody else can claim that. You know, I don't think uh, even the guy at Houston, Sampson, got three consecutive wins over Penny. You know, so he understands what Penny wants to do, and he picks his spots on where he takes away from Penny in his offense. Oh, painful, painful, painful game uh, for the Memphis Tigers. Today, the top 25 is going to be released. Is there even a chance, the smallest chance in the whole wide world, that they hang on in the top 25 or you can kiss oh, yeah. that goodbye? Of course, of course. They got two losses, but, you know, everyone had losses. You know, Duke had a loss this, this weekend. You know, Carolina had a loss. I mean, Carolina, you know, it, people just losing left and right. You know, w- one thing we could say about this year is a – balance here and just not one superpower in there and with the quality of wins that Memphis got the worst they'll go down to is probably 17 18 and go from there I will say though uh, they better get back on the right side of the uh, ship because uh, yeah because UAB that's another place mm-hmm. where you hadn't played in a long time and they got that little brother big brother complex with Memphis they love beating on Memphis Yes, they definitely do. And again, um, there's really no more margin for error, it seems like, this year. So hopefully the Tigers can turn it around. Hopefully they can get healthy. And uh, the chemistry, um, it's got to it's gotta be uh, better than it was. What do you think um, right now, though? Like, What is your realistic expectation going forward? Do you believe that this team can finally piece it together, get a little bit healthy, and start their run? Or do you feel like it's slowly slipping away? You know, believe it or not, if – Brown, you know, Jordan Brown looked a little bit, he looked a little bit slimmer yesterday. If he comes back, that'll add another body to what you're doing. And if Walton can come back and be healthy, I think they can easily run off 10, 12 in a row and get back all the momentum that was lost. Because, you know, you know what they say is not how you start, it's how you finish. And one thing about this new American conference, this tournament is going to be, the postseason tournament is going to be a bloodbath. Because you got so many teams that can actually win the tournament. So you just got to make sure first you get the first round by, and then you go there and compete every day. Other than that, you know, I think this conference might get like three teams out because this is a really good conference this year. Now, um, speaking of Jordan Brown, what Brown can do for you, it seemed like Malcolm and some of the teammates are very receptive to having him back. Is that just um, is that just basically uh, they know what to say in front of the media to keep things on the low low? Are they or is this team excited and feel blessed as Malcolm put to have him back? Well, not everyone's on the team happy to have him back, but Malcolm is legit in his sincerity in having him back because he understands the ramification of having that guy in the lineup because, you know, it's all about winning the last game and going to Phoenix and coming back with a trophy. 
you know, and Malcolm understands that some of these other guys, you know, they're not, they're, you know, they feel that if the guy quit on him and he shouldn't be allowed back. But, you know, everybody deserves a second chance, and I think he deserves a second chance. But if he does come back, he needs to come back with more vigor and more energy and play better than he did before he left. Um, now, with all the athletes that we have, and, um, you know, again, in Penny Hardaway, I will definitely give him credit. He came over here. He didn't have to. Uh, when he took over the job at Memphis, basically it was in the tank. Uh, everything was going south. People are excited. He is a great recruiter. He brings it. He brings guys in. My question is, do you trust him down the stretch in a close game to actually put people in the right position to be successful? Are you really asking me this question? Hell yes, I am. <laughs> Because I know most people don't think he can. That's but why you know we need what? the Care Bear stare. Because I want to tell you, I've seen him get out coached on a many occasions. But what coach don't get out coached some night? Most of the ones that are actually really good. But how many how many coaches win every year at the end of the year? There's only one that's standing. That is true. There is only one that is standing. But you know what? Just because you lose one game, don't mean that means that team is out there. You know, out there competing. You know, one thing about fans and what they do. They get reactionary, you know, especially as Memphis fans. You know, if you don't win by 20, oh, you didn't win by enough. Oh, if you don't win five in a row, oh, you're not playing nobody. See, it, it, this the same fans that said, oh, if Memphis not playing nobody, they should go 16-0. and 0. That means they don't know anything about the other thing. They're just looking at their own individual per- person. You know, sometimes the one thing, the team, I got I this. This is the one thing that I – this is where I think – uh, like, you know what Penny does, by the end of the year, he always has the team. From the beginning to the end of the year, they're always a much better team. I know he does that. I'm talking about in the final three minutes when the game is tight, I don't see them getting in a position to where they're running anything. It looks like hero ball, and that, for me, always goes back on the coaching. But all all last-minute plays is hero ball because it's designed. But were they saying that when Quinterly hit two shots to win the game? Yes, I was. Well, but that doesn't make it right, though. But was that not a good design? I mean, I mean the, result, it, the, the, result the result is, ma- the is result what matters. Right. To, to get if, one if, field goal over oh, to get one field goal over the final five minutes, and to have turnovers from Ashton, to have air balls. Uh, I mean, just to have uh, uh, was it Young just dribbling around for fifteen seconds and not passing the ball to anybody? I mean, that looked like a very confused high school basketball team that couldn't get a shot off on again Tulane. But is is it is it the, the players or the coach? Is the play, is the coach out there coaching making those plays? Or the players going out there doing what they need to do. Sometimes it's, you got to put it back on the players and not the coach, because sometimes the players go out there and do something the coach told them not to do it, but they did it anyway. But it still comes back a reflection of the coach. Inbounds uh, play calling. Um, mm. That's that's something that definitely needs to be worked on. Why is it they're one of the worst teams at one in ball, in ball defending when the ball is coming out of the sideline, and also in actually getting a positive look after they in ball, inbound the basketball? Uh, I, I don't have the stats on that, so I can't answer that question. So I really don't know about that because I had not analyzed, you know, anybody's uh, inbound percentages. You know, I don't know where you get those numbers from. I know, you know, it looks bad, but, you know, when they were winning 10 games in a row, were they saying, oh, the inbound pass is bad? <laughs> no, of course not because they were winning, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> See, when, when you lose, you, you, when, you, when, you, when you come off a loss, you micromanage everything. Just like true. when you come off a win. Because, like, if you look at the, the Buffalo-Kansas City game yesterday, 
if Kansas City had lost that game, everybody would have been complaining about that that fumble out of the end zone. But since the guy missed the extra point kick, you're going to blame the kicker. But, you know, it's all about the results dictate, the, you know, the narrative. That is the you truth. Know? I can't right. argue and, with that. Right. And if, if Memphis had won these last two games, we'll be sitting up here talking about how bad Coach Penny is or how bad the decision-making at the end of the game. Because they would have won. They, they lost both these games by how many points? Two points each. That's, mm-hmm. they, lost, they had two losses by four points. You know, if they had sit there and executed and made all their free throw shots or made a layer up or two, the narrative changed. And, and all the stuff that you complain about would not be a factor. You follow me? Yep, I follow you. I follow you. And the end of the day, you know, people in this city always talk about the end of the day and how the season ends. This, this season and narrative will be determined by how far they go in a tournament or if they make the tournament or not. Well, I know Tiger fans out there, they feel like they've been on a yo-yo or a roller coaster up and down, up and down. I know I've come in here and said this is the greatest team in the history of basketball. And now I'm also coming in here today. And if you can't tell, I almost started crying talking to you. <laughs> so, oh, I know, I know. Oh, oh, hopefully, you don't put, uh, hopefully you don't bet on the Tigers. Oh, no, no, no. I have okay. no, okay. I have quit okay. doing those types of things. Okay. Um, okay. Woo, I couldn't yeah. even imagine how agitated I'd be if I would have bet on the Tigers. <laughs> Yes, yeah. but like I said, you know, the season is not over with, and as long as they go and make the second, third round of the tournament, everything will be all forgotten, and we'll move on, and we'll bring in nine, ten more transfers, and we'll start again next year. Man, you're going up to Canada to catch the game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I just got back from New Orleans. I got back from New Orleans last night by midnight, so... Now I'm good for it for a while. I don't blame you. Plus, who wants to actually go see that Raptors Grizzlies game? Uh, you know what? They actually gonna win tonight, so it's gonna be good to look. I at think they tonight. will. I actually do. Yeah. I like actually the Grizzlies plus the six and a half. They have been fighting their little tails off, um, but man, right now just Memphis hoops uh, has been a little bit painful. But as the Care Bear Stare says, Terry Davis, things are gonna get back right uh, when they yeah. head down to UAB, right? Exactly. I'll be down there, and they'll get their win. They'll be the first of uh, about eight, nine, ten in a row. When is that, Saturday? Sunday. Sunday, 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 Sunday. All right. Oh, good. They have a full week off. You're right. Full week yeah, off. Full week off, but they coming on doing a playoff game football. So, ooh, two TV time. Man, hey, do me a favor, Terry. Be blessed. Everybody knows you can check out his work at the Tri-State Defender. You can see him in all over the place. He's here every single Monday. Follow him on the Twitter at TerryD515. Terry, you be blessed, and thanks for helping walking me off the ledge, my friend. All right, talk to you later, my brother. That is TD. We are late for a break. We're going to be back in two shakes. Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Now back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Johnny Radio. Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I am your buddy, Johnny Radio. Brand Dacus is hanging out with me. Brian, what you got going on today from 3 to 6 with the old Brett? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Talk a little Tigers? Sure. Talk a little bit of maybe some Grizzlies, maybe? Yeah, maybe. 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 
They do have a basketball game tonight. Yeah, something like that. You going to talk about um, some NFL football? Maybe. How crazy is it, in all honesty? Pat Mahomes has been starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs now for six seasons. This is his sixth consecutive AFC championship game. That is absolutely ridiculous. Now, Josh Allen, I still think he's that dude. And I think he had an opportunity. I just want to, I mean, hey, hey, Diggs, do me a favor. Did you see that bomb that he threw? It almost brought rain. And Diggs, it was right there, doesn't catch it. A couple other, it was, there were three big opportunities downfield. Just did not work out for him. And, uh, yeah, Buffalo does not get to move on after being at home. But you have to feel bad for, for Tyler Bass. I mean, did you think he was going to make the kick? Because I, I literally was going, there's no way he's going to make this. This is just just this is just the way that the it works for the Bills fans, and the sad thing is, is Bills Mafia has some of the best fans in the world and some of the worst. Yesterday, if you noticed, uh, Travis Kelsey's brother Jason was out with Bills Mafia, chugging beers out of bowling balls. He was shirtless in the box with Taylor Swift, screaming and pounding beers and going crazy. He was talking trash to all the Bills Mafia, but then after the game. When the Kansas City Chiefs did win, I don't think I've ever seen so many grown people crying. Like, this is football on the NFL level, and Bills fans, they take it more serious than I think anybody in the world. I actually just felt bad for Bills fans after losing that game. And I also did think it was funny the way that you had all the uh, Chiefs players talking all kinds of trash to Bills Mafia when the game was over. Um, but hey, to the victor goes the spoils. They continue to move on. Pat Mahomes is that dude. Couple other NFL notes. Do you see where the Lions reached a deal with tight end Zach Ertz? Ertz, 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 Ertz. Um, my man, what has he been doing? It's a good question. Um, he's he's signed with the uh, practice squad. Uh, they say he's going to be elevated uh, to the team on the NFC Championship game. We'll uh, see how that works. I don't know what Ertz is going to be able to do for him, but hey, man, they went out and got him. He did have a uh, ACL and an MCL injury back in Week Ten last season, so uh, he ain't done a whole lot of playing this year. But uh, he's this three-time Pro Bowl selection. He's got 709 catches for 7,000 plus yards and 46 touchdowns. Can he help the Lions? I don't know, man. We'll find out. Now, Nick Sirianni. He's going to be the coach in Philadelphia. They got rid of their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. Do you know who they're looking at hiring as their defensive coordinator now? I don't. Who? Ex-Commander's coach. Mm. Ron Rivera. Interesting. Not hey, You can't complain. Ron Rivera's been doing it and doing it and doing it well. Sure has. Just not in Washington. But, you know, look at the – from Dan Snyder to their new ownership and – all the things that have happened in between their quarterback situations. It's been kind of rough in the nation's capital for football. But we'll see what happens with that as well. On the other side, though, we got to talk a little football. We'll talk a little a little bit of, uh, you know, some hoops as well. But we got to also Hardenwood where it feels so good. And there's some crazy Hardenwood stories out there at 1230 that we're going to get into. So do me a favor, people. Come back on the other side. Don't you dare touch the dial. This is Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Someone in my head, but it's not me.